Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. From today's reading from Isaiah, For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. So there's an old story about a priest who was driving home one night and got pulled over by a police officer. The cop asked him if he'd had anything to drink. Only water, said the priest. But the officer then shined his flashlight into the priest's car, and the spotlight landed right on a bottle of wine that was only half full. That does not look like water to me, said the officer, to which the priest replied, Oh my gosh, wouldn't you know, our Lord, he has done it again. In today's gospel from John, we hear the story of Jesus turning water into wine, and we are told that this is Jesus' very first sign. And a sign's purpose, as you know, is to point to something or to signify, meaning that when Jesus turned water into wine, he was signifying or pointing us to the very meaning of his mission, what he was put on this earth to do. And so that's the question I want us to look at this morning. By turning water into wine, what was Jesus trying to signify to us about the meaning of his ministry? And I want us to start by just looking at that very simple observation that Mary made to Jesus. They have no wine. Now, on the surface, we can take her words literally. Running out of wine at a wedding was a social disaster, and Mary wants to prevent the bride and the groom from being embarrassed. However, Mary's words can also be seen as a metaphor, Because in the Bible, wine is a symbol for grace, for abundance, for shalom, for salvation, for well-being. Basically, wine represents life as God intended human beings to live it before sin and death and violence enter the picture. And when you look at Mary's observation on that symbolic level, it opens a window into how so many people experience life in this world. The heartbroken, the lonely, the fearful, the guilty, they have no wine. The overworked, the overlooked, the tired, the underappreciated, they have no wine. The victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression, they have no wine. Wine, again, being a symbol for grace, for abundance, for physical and spiritual health. And of course, who among us isn't just a little bothered by Jesus's initial response to his mom? Not my concern, woman, he says. The hour has not yet come. 
Well, doesn't part of us wonder, why not? I mean, think of the poor, the neglected, the sick, and the scared. Why has the hour for something different not yet come for them? Or maybe you've asked this question in the depths of your own soul. God, I'm really wrestling with some sadness. I'm anxious. I'm lonely. My child isn't doing well. I haven't found my life's calling. Things aren't working out the way I want them to at the moment, God. I have no wine. When will I know abundance and grace and peace in my life the way I want it to? In other words, when will my hour finally come? These are the real questions that we bring to our faith and questions that today's gospel speaks to if we have ears to hear. And I find it very interesting that Jesus' very first sign, it wasn't to cast out demons. It wasn't to cure the sick. It wasn't even to feed the hungry. In fact, you might recall Jesus was once asked, point blank, will you turn stones into bread? And Jesus said, no. Apparently, stones into bread would not have signified the fullness of what Jesus came to do. Only water into wine would do the trick. And from that one symbolic act of turning water into wine, I've thought about it, I've prayed, I've read, and I can only find one explanation of what it means concerning what Jesus was put on this earth to do. And it's not a very religious or even classically spiritual answer, but it is highly biblical. So you ready? The meaning of today's gospel, of him turning water into wine, is a symbolic pointer. is that Jesus Christ came to throw the entire creation a wedding feast. In fact, does anyone here know how many times the word bride is used in the New Testament in reference to the church, the precise number? That's too bad. I don't know the answer to that question either. But it's a lot. It's all over the New Testament, this idea that God will throw us a wedding. It's what today's reading from Isaiah is all about. Or as Isaiah put it in a different place in his book, on that day the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines. Or as the Gospel of John will put it in chapter 3, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. The point being that Jesus is the bridegroom, that we are the bride, and that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are a gateway to the best wedding of all time where the dancing never stops, where the wine doesn't run out, and where fullness of joy is given, not to some people, but to all people. That is the Christian hope. But as nice as all that sounds, we're still living in a world and maybe even a life situation where there is pain. And consciously or not, the world wonders when. When will this feast take place? When will my pain come to an end? When will my hour come? That's really the deep question of the human heart. And for good or for ill, the person who wrote John's gospel is not very good at either or thinking. 
right? The way most of us tend to think goes something like this. An event either takes place now or it takes place in the future. But that is not how John sees the world. For John, this wedding feast that Jesus brings is both a future event and it's something that is mysteriously with us here and now and that can be tasted in and through the church. Or to put it a little bit differently, John would say that you and I live our life in verse 7 of today's gospel. We are at the wedding, and Jesus has already ordered the stone jars to be filled to the brim, but we are yet to see or to taste the full transformation. And I say that because the Christian life, and by that I just mean the practical life that we all live, the life of going to work and running errands and engaging in hobbies and working to make the world a better place. It is a life lived between promise and fulfillment at the wedding, but also knowing that the best wine still awaits us. And here's the reason I think that's important. It is only when we consciously occupy this space between God's promise and the fulfillment of that promise that wisdom can start to grow in our life. I want to say that again. This tension between promise and fulfillment is the only real place where we can be a healing presence with people who say they have no wine and who wonder when their hour for feasting will come. Because in the church, we do have wine. We serve it every week. A chalice is brought to our lips, and together we drink grace. We drink abundance. We drink salvation. We take that wine in so that over time, as a community, we become a fresh wineskin that contains God's new wine for this world so that they too can taste and see that God is good. And as we do this over time, we as a church then become a sign, a living, breathing, embodied pointer to where the whole creation is going. There's a wonderful story about Albert Einstein who was taking the train to an out-of-town engagement, and the conductor stopped by to punch his ticket. The great scientist was preoccupied with this work, and so he began to rummage through his pockets and his briefcase, all to no avail. The conductor said to him, we all know who you are, Dr. Einstein. Don't worry about it. And the conductor just walked on, punching the other tickets. But before the conductor got to the next car, he looked back and there was Einstein on his hands and knees looking under the seat for his ticket very frantically. And so the conductor walked back and said very politely, Dr. Einstein, please don't worry about the ticket. I know who you are. Exasperated, Einstein looked up and said, I also know who I am. What I don't know is where I am going. So the good news of today's gospel is that it points to where God's creation is going, which includes you, your life, your existence, your soul. It says that it is all going to somewhere unimaginably good, so good, in fact, that God chose to 
liken it to a wedding feast, a feast so important that Jesus would use his very first sign to point us to this future celebration. And on that day, all of creation will be transformed. Water will turn into wine. Hate will turn into love. Heartbreak will turn into healing. Misunderstanding will turn into clarity. And the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, and God will marry God's creation. And I offer you this hope today not as an escapist place for your mind to retreat when confronted with the difficulty of day-to-day existence, but rather as something for your heart to believe and to shape where, how you live your life right now with the knowledge of where all of creation is going. Because today's gospel does not just tell us about what Jesus came to do. It also speaks volumes about who God is at God's core. And that is someone who loves to celebrate. I mean, frankly, it's kind of nice to know that our Lord once took a break from doing ministry to go to a wedding and that he said yes to gladness and joy. That God must love to hear the laughter of celebrating people. That God would see fit to waste his first miracle just to keep a party going and save a few teens from social embarrassment. And all this he did as a sign to point to a future that God is working to bring about, a future that God draws us into right now, a future that is here today. But that will not be fully here until all can say what the steward did in today's gospel. God, you have saved the best wine until now. Amen.